This is the Dr. Mike Savilla podcast for Saturday, September 9, 2017. This is episode 362, Hurricane Irma. Uh, my interview today is with our good friend and family physician, Dr. Ajoy Kumar, uh, who is working in a hospital in Tampa, Florida. And as we record this, um, Hurricane Irma has not made landfall as of yet. So our conversation today will be talking about. Uh, Uh, what he's going through in the hospital there, and he's also uh, used some of his past experiences in uh, uh, developing countries uh, and how he has prepared himself to uh, serve the community in the hospital there. So I hope you enjoy this interview, and uh, also check me out at drmikesavilla.com. Also follow me on Twitter, Dr. Mike Savilla. Here is our interview. All right. Hello, everybody. And as Dr. Mike Savilla, this is your spontaneous Hurricane Irma update. And uh, we have our, our good friend, Adroy Kumar, in, in Tampa. He's, I still see light out there. Uh, thank you for the time here, buddy. Uh, how's, uh, give, us, give us an update. Uh, well, actually, uh, uh, first, just tell us, um, you know, first, how's the family doing? Hopefully, they're safe and everything. And then just tell a little bit about the story over the past few days. Yeah, well, thank you, Mike. Really appreciate the opportunity for uh, talking with you and the viewers about uh, what's going on here in Florida. Um, it's been quite an event for a lot of folks. Um, a lot of folks have never ex- experienced this. A lot of folks have never taken this seriously. So it's, I think it's the first time in a couple decades, at least since 1992, that people have really taken this stuff seriously. And, and you can see that in the news reports. Um, regards to my family, they're safe. Um, they're away from the area, but there's countless other families here in the state of Florida that have not evacuated for a variety of reasons. A lot of the reasons have to do with the simple fact that um, the roads are clogged going up I-75, I-95. Uh, people have run out of gas. Cars have been left on the road. People have decided to uh, walk it. And it's just been a disaster and a disaster with, with, with regards to that. A simple drive from Miami to Ocala, Florida shouldn't take 10 hours to get there. Um, food is gone. Water is gone. Um, people that are decided not, that to not leave have decided, obviously, to shelter in. And um, a lot of people have, at least in my neighborhood, um, have boarded up, put up their um, hurricane shutters and so on and so forth. Um, County EM has uh, gave evacuation orders for my county for level A and level B. What that basically means that anybody near the shore and anybody slightly higher than the shore needs to get out of town uh, because storm surge is expected to go anywhere between five feet to 15 feet, basically the first floor of your house is going to be underwater and then add to that category three, category four uh, wind speeds can go anywhere from 115 to about 130 miles an hour uh, for a sustained amount of time for at least, I don't know, seven hours. And then uh, as you can imagine that those are not survivable conditions. So we have made every effort, not only at our place, but also myself as an individual telling people um, do not shelter in, leave the area. Um, if you can leave the area, if you can't go to higher ground, go to areas that are uh, structurally uh, strong enough to withstand um, those kind of winds and that kind of water, too, it's just going to be an utter disaster. Um, when I evacuated, we took almost everything that we possibly could. Um, those things that I left behind are things, yes, um, but... 
just to sit there as you roll out the door, sitting there thinking, this is the last time I'll ever see this house. Uh, this is maybe the last time I'll be able to see this neighborhood intact. Um, and then knowing that you have neighbors that are camping it in there, they may not survive is um, quite the sobering thought to have. Um, but it is where we are right now. I fortunately, in my role, I've evacuated to the hospital. So I'm trying to get our medical staff as well as the hospital ready. And uh, we're actually pretty darn ready, you know. So um, I think we're in good shape. I think from a hospital standpoint, we're a trauma center. I think we're going to do just fine considering the circumstances that we have. But the biggest thing really when you come to um, these kind of things is um, uh, mental health conditions, psychological first aid, um, disaster mental health. You can truly see it around you, um, not only staff, but patients, also visitors, family members. Once they saw the news that a Cat 4 is going to be headed our way, um, the level of anxiety has just skyrocketed uh, for people in the community here. Um, and unfortunately, uh, when people's anxieties increase, their fears increase, uh, people will do things that they don't normally do, say things that they normally don't say because they have no control anymore. And uh, we have to kind of help them out through that, work with county EM, count with the police department, and try to get these folks out, trying to manage them, trying to get them to shelters. Um, those people that are at shelters, some of them show up sick, don't take their medications, are being sent to the hospitals. Um, it's just, if you can imagine if a worst-case scenario, we are in that worst-case scenario in Florida. I have um, friends. Um, I have friends down in Miami that could not leave, so they sheltered up with nine nine other folks at a house. And as you know, the Cat 5 hurricane wall is going to hit them directly. Um, I'm hoping they will survive. Um, I think we're all hoping that they can survive. It's going to be a tremendous impact for the state of Florida. I don't think people truly understand how uh, traumatic, not only physically, but psychologically, this is going to be for so many people. I think the only people that can understand are the people in Houston, the people that have went through Hurricane Katrina, and the people that went through Hurricane Sandy. But no one's going to truly understand the devastation that's about to be unleashed other than those folks that went through Hurricane Katrina. And as you know, most of those people have never returned. So you could pretty much say the same thing here in the state of Florida. Uh, now we're on the line here with Dr. Joy Kumar, who is uh, in a hospital. Uh, he is a physician, a family physician, and he's in a hospital in Tampa, Florida. Uh, and he has a go at any time. So uh, we're going to keep him on the line here as, as long as he will uh, allow us, uh, depending on his work schedule. So, Joy, uh, so it's, as we reported, said, today is Saturday, uh, September 9th. It is 1045 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, so kind of lay out like, like the fat, the, the past few days, uh, like the beginning of the week, uh, because at the beginning, even, I guess even as much as 12 or 24 hours ago, uh, sure. the, it was going to be going to the East uh, coast of Florida, but kind of lay out the week. When did you actually evacuate your home and, and, and what has been the sense, uh, in that part of the state, uh, beginning and middle of the week? Okay. Starting with last Sunday, we knew that there was something coming on the way here. Um, I obviously uh, work in the disaster management field. I'm the chief medical officer for the disaster medical assistance team um, that uh, the federal government sends around to exactly these things. So it's kind of ironic that I'm at my own one here currently. So on Sunday, I knew something was coming. I knew what to do. Um, I made sure that my family members um, got evacuated first or they never showed up here in the first place. 
the next course of my action was to start preparing those around me, take care of my own stuff first and foremost so that I could take care of other people. So I ended up starting uh, putting together stuff that I needed to evacuate, started identifying those things probably uh, Tuesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I started identifying the most critical things that need to be evacuated, which is important documents. I try to upload all my photos to whatever um, uh, cloud server there are, and I saved it on multiple servers in case one server goes down, another server's up. It's part of the redundancy aspect. Then I identified all the documents, took pictures of documents, um, made copies of documents, um, put them in certain places. Um, sorry. Um, and so... Um, trying to identify those kind of things that needed to go out first. So once I did that, um, kind of held out a little bit until the evacuation order was given. I think it was, um, what day is today? Saturday. Um, when it was given probably on Wednesday or so, I did the evacuation. So I evacuated uh, from my house. The majority of those important things came to the hospital. I've been spending the night at the hospital since trying to get the hospital and everybody together, both physically and psychologically. Um, I went back uh, a little bit later uh, to my house. Of course, the streets uh, have police. The streets are just eerily quiet. It's just eerily quiet. Nobody is moving around. All the houses are boarded up. Nobody's running. Nobody's walking. Um, if you ever seen that movie, I Am Legend, where he's walking around, that's what it feels like. It's just silence. It's a very ominous silence at that, too. So I went back to pick up a few other items today and it just could not help get the feeling that this was the last time I'm going to see my place, my neighborhood. Um, on the way out, I asked the cop that was uh, the police officer that was asking uh, for IDs to get into our neighborhood because we're always worried about looting and things like that. Uh, when they're going to open up and they basically said, we just don't know when we're going to be able to open up your place. Once it's closed, it's closed. And uh, once it's locked off, it's locked off. As I was driving, I think, Lots of people uh, Thursday, Friday started leaving. Um, they left at all hours and um, houses were quiet. Some houses were boarded up. You could see everybody packing stuff away. But you had the hardcore folks that um, thought just because it veered off to the east side that they'd be okay. Uh, problem is not even the NOAA forecasters know exactly which way it's going to go. So everybody, it's almost as if you're going through the stages of death and dying, you know, the grief aspect, uh, people are bargaining when they look at uh, the weather forecast and sit there and say, well, the storm is moving more eastward. People on the west side where we live are sitting there saying, oh, great, I can stay around. I could do more. I could hang out longer. I don't have to evacuate. Then it's shifted to the middle. Well, maybe I'll take it seriously. When Then now it's all to the west and people are just yeah, panicking at this point in time. Um, so it, it's that kind of mentality where you're bargaining with time that you don't necessarily have per se, as we get closer. Um, and that's what people are going through right now. Um, I packed up, left, went back, as I mentioned, and uh, left, the, left the place there. Nobody was driving on the way out. Uh, there were people still boarding up their houses, people still putting up their uh, metal shutters. There's other houses that had their automatic shutters down. Um, it's just eerily quiet now. Uh, so it's Saturday uh, today, and um, those that have left have left, and I've been following them on Facebook, and some of them have been able to cross the Florida line. 
it's interesting. The people in the panhandle side don't truly understand what's happening on the south side of Florida. Um, it's just an interesting uh, thing to kind of experience. Um, all my neighbors, except for probably a few, um, have boarded up their houses. Cars are still out. We're going to probably get about 15 feet of storm surge because uh, we live close by the water. Um, there's no gas, no gas anywhere. As I was driving out, the 7-Eleven shuttered down. All the gas stations are closed. Um, future thought, maybe I'll get electric. Maybe I'll get diesel because diesel seems to be the only one that's open. Um, but um, all the grocery stores are shutting down. All the businesses are shutting down to allow their folks to um, shelter in or get out themselves. Um, that's kind of where we're at right now. Um, in terms of uh, medical staff and things like that, you got to take care of yourself first before you can take care of anybody else. And I think that's what folks are doing at this point in time are um, taking care of themselves and they're showing up to work, taking care of patients. They're taking good care of patients. They, they really care about what they're doing. And the only thing that I worry about them is that the stress that they feel of losing a home or going through this process, plus the stress that they feel in normal day-to-day -day patient care it's going to compound. So we're really working with them on mental health and disaster first aid, mental health first aid stuff. Yeah, this is uh, yeah, that's kind of my next question. Uh, on the line with us, uh, we have an exclusive interview uh, update on uh, Hurricane Irma from Tampa, Florida. Our good friend, uh, Dr. Joy Kumar, a family physician uh, in the hospital. Uh, he's been there for a few days. Um, so uh, and my next question is, yeah, I mean, you kind of touched on it a little bit with your, with your previous remarks. I mean, can you give us a sense of the uh, you know the the uh, the emotion in the hospital not only you know with the people that work there but but with the patients Eric and and what it's been for the past few days and and you know, we've been seeing all kinds of news reports from South Florida um, and in the Keys and things of of you know hospitals closing and and patients uh, being moved are you able to kind of share if 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 that is any possibility uh, in Tampa in in your part of the state. Um, what I can share with you is that we're a trauma center and we're going to be open. And I think people take great pride in being open here and having talked to the doctors, having talked to the staff, everybody really has stepped up. I mean, quite a bit. They want to help. They want to make sure that our hospital, our patients are taken care of very, very, very well. Um, uh, they're also just like everybody else wondering what's going to happen next. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm worried too about my, uh, home, my friends, the neighborhood, they are feeling the same way too. Um, usually when you have a stressful day at job, you have a relaxing day at home. Now we've entered a stage in um, managing such a disaster that there may not be a home and they're stressful at work. There's no home. So we have to kind of work through those kind of feelings and emotions, especially with the younger folks because they've never experienced stuff like this. Even some of the older folks haven't experienced stuff like this. So those of us that have actually worked in disaster management, worked in disaster fields, um, I can appreciate and I can totally understand where they're coming from. And I have nothing but uh, sympathy for them. And I will, you know, everybody's here for each other. I mean, that's a great thing that you see around the community here is that everybody stepped up. When I went home, 
I was thinking about putting up, um, boarding up my uh, uh, home with shutters. My neighbor said, are you doing that by yourself? I said, yeah, I got no choice. No one else is around here. (laughs) You know, he said, I could help you out. And I said, no, I don't want you to help out. My fear is that I didn't want him to get a heart attack or a stroke trying to help me out in this heat, trying to put up shutters. So everybody's been really very helpful. Everybody's been fully engaged. Are they worried? Absolutely. Everybody's worried. Everybody's scared. Everybody's anxious. But they're focusing on the great care that they're providing the patients. And that has not changed one bit. Patients, they know that what's going on and they know that we're taking care of them. And that's all they really honestly feel that needs to happen. Um, we'll do fine here. We'll do fine here. Uh, physically, um, depending on how intense the hurricane is, yeah, there's going to be buildings and windows being blown out all over the city here, all over the county. Uh, we may have some too here and there, but we're going to do well and I, and and our staff and our medical staff. Um, I can't thank them enough. Uh, when I called out to see if they can come in and those on call, people said, we'll be there. Uh, and um, this is what physicians do. Someone asked me on Facebook a little bit earlier, you know, thank you for your service. It's what we do. It's who we are as, as a group of people. That's why we went into medicine is because we want to help people regardless of location So in that regard, I am um, very thankful for everybody's assistance. Uh, So uh, I guess from a personal standpoint, have you yourself ever been through anything similar from a weather or a kind of a nature type situation in the past that you can kind of draw on from the past? Well, you know, um, working with DMATS and emergency management, all those kind of things, I get sent to places like this. But me going through with this personally, no. No, I just have to use experiences that I have. Honestly, I think the biggest experience that I've had that has kind of helped me out in a lot of these things is uh, doing overseas medical missions. Um, Family physicians, those of you out there, you guys need to do uh, overseas medical missions because the lessons and things that you learn overseas, you're going to quickly employ here in the United States, especially with more and more natural catastrophes going on like this. You're going to be left in situations where they are very remote rural areas that um, you'll be working in extreme environments. And personally, I, I feel that family physicians are best suited for those kind of environments as well as other ones. And because we're the most adaptable, we can manage it. most type of patients. Age is not an issue of who we manage. And um, I think we have a better um, pulse on um, those kind of situations. So um, in regards to your question, no, never been through it personally myself. Um, it's a, kind of surreal experience to kind of go through something like this. But clearly the um, work that I did overseas um, is bearing um, root here for sure. Those seeds have been planted and um, a lot of the work that I do here with preparedness um, are taken from other countries that were not necessarily prepared or that I was over there helping with and learning those lessons. Uh, When you're doing uh, large scale uh, emergency operations, it's populations, not the individual. It's systems. So you have to work with systems based stuff. And um, that's what it's about right now from a macro scale, from a micro scale, you know, it's, it's no different than when you're in your clinic. It really is not any different whether in your clinic, whether you're in the ER or within the hospital, the same kind of care is being given. Although once the storm hits, we're going to have um, an altered um, reality at that point in time. We have to really monitor 
uh, what kind of medications we're given, what are we ordering, what are we doing, all those kind of things. And those are the lessons that you learn when you go overseas because you only have a limited supply. When you go through something like this and you may not have access to everything and everything and anything all the time, you got to choose carefully, choose wisely, uh, I'd say, uh, as resources are going to be heavily strained, people are going to be heavily strained, and uh, you just have to work through the issues. Uh, are you able to share kind of the, some of the some of the uh, uh, some of those uh, you know, the places, the missions that, that you went through, and, and and some of the things that 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 you did when you were there? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I think one of the first missions I did was in El Salvador. You know, uh, we worked at a clinic out there um, run by a company, and um, we probably saw about two three hundred people a day there. Uh, we had a dentist with us at the same time too. Uh, we set up a clinic. We set up a triage. We set up a line of who's going to be seen when, and we triage people to see uh, based on their level of illness. Did some basic labs, you know, glucometer check, H and H check. Um, did their vitals, just like a typical triage that you would do in the ED. We did out in the field there. And then once that happens, you triage who's going to be seen by the doctor, who's going to be seen by the medical student, who's going to be seen by, you know, so on and so forth. So everybody has to practice at their highest level of training and competency. Um, the physician obviously oversees a lot of the uh, um, items and you have a, I guess, practice manager who, who sees the logistic side of things. So you got to work with them because if you start running out of, um, I don't know, any one kind of resource, you have to make sure that you have to monitor uh, the utilization of that resource because uh, shipments and supplies may not be coming in again. So you can't give everybody, you know, uh, a 30 day uh, package of blood pressure medications, vitamins and things like that, because they're going to run out very quickly. And what good are you doing? You're not. The other big thing when you're in those situations is you do a lot of education with people it's a lot of preventive medicine that you do overseas that, and education that you do overseas than you would here. Acute care, there is some acute care there, uh, but not as much as here and not as robust as here as well, too. Another place that I went to, which, which is akin to a major disaster zone, uh, which you have really nothing around to really help you, is unfortunately one of the poorest countries in the Western world, which is Haiti. Uh, having been over there and some of the remote locations there, um, you have to provide for your own security. You got to make sure that you get in um, the country safely, get out of the country safely. You carry in and carry out. It's like a it's like a camping expedition, the best way to put it. You carry in everything, you carry out everything. Literally, you have to carry. There is no, uh, I'm a physician or I'm a nurse and I don't do that. We'll give that to the logistics or some other person. No, you're kind of humping all this stuff in and humping all this stuff out. Obviously, you're 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 paying attention to the local ecology, and just like camping, you you got to keep it clean, and you got to take all the things in, you got to take all the things out. Work with the locals, um, especially the religious organizations, as well as the community centers and local leaders there, uh, because you got to earn their trust in order to take care of the people. You just can't go into another country and just start taking care of people. The Ministry of Health will come down on you, kick you out of the country. So you got to make sure that you have ins inside the country so that you could work with them and work with their system. Because again, you're integrating within their system of healthcare, no matter how good or bad it is, it is their country. It is their people. You have to be respectful of that and work with uh, whatever laws that are applicable to that as well, too. And um, having been in those situations, I can tell you, um, 
lots of people show up. A lot of people show up just to watch. A lot of people show up just to say, hey, look, there's an American doctor there. A lot of people show up with all sorts of things. There are a lot of people out there at the same time trying to get stuff on the black market. I can't tell you how many times I've had people approach me about selling my, my wristwatch or my stethoscope or my clothes or the medications that we have um, on the black market. It's, I, I firmly remember uh, uh, a case where a guy comes up to me as we were sitting there talking. And he said, hey, I said, hi. And then he said, um, listen, you and I could do some good business down here. How about you give me that watch and we start a good business down here? <laughs> that's <how it> goes. <laughs> and that's how that goes. But no, we didn't start any business. We didn't sell any medications. But you have all types of people coming out wanting things from you because they know because you're American, you're the richest person on the planet. They're going to come to you for stuff because uh, and if you don't keep an eye on things, people just don't know what they're grabbing. Um, I remember at one point in time, we closed our clinic and we were about to leave and there were a mob virtually showed up because they didn't want us to leave, even though we try to work with the local authorities and say, listen, we're, we got to leave. We're out of medications. People try to rush through the clinic and literally kids are grabbing handfuls of medications and running out thinking it was candy. We had to chase them down and get those medications away from them because they were serious medications. So it's important to have security there as well, too. Um, the other things that you got to be careful about when you go overseas and doing these things is obviously you got to uh, look out for your own protection, own safety, not only physical, but also medical, too. Um, been lots of instances where people have gone overseas um, who take care of other people and they themselves get hurt. Which, and what does that mean? That means if you go over as a team and you get hurt, that means it takes at least three to four people to take care of you. And your mission to take care of people has now gone because now you're taking care of a team member. So you got to do all those kind of things. So it's those kind of experiences that you have overseas in terms of resource utilization, uh, team building, team management, um, team cohesion, uh, physical security, psychological security, um, and just dealing with people that are living at the extremes and at the margins of society who have never lived there before and dealing with them. Um, those are the things that I've brought back here to work with because truly people are not that different around the world. Their hopes, fears, desires are all about the same. Um, it's just when you put them into very stressful situations, you see real personalities come out, not necessarily real per se, but personality disorders really start coming out at that point in time. And, um, you know, desperate times, people do desperate things and you just have to be mindful of those things and mindful of those situations. Hope that answers your question. Mike, I can't hear you. I think your mic is off. Uh, thank you, sir. Uh, so I have three quick uh, final questions for you, then I'll let you go because I know you're very busy. Yeah, I got text coming through. Uh, so the, the first question is, so what, what kind of things are you doing for self-care and what kind of things are, are you recommending for um, healthcare workers, first responders uh, who are going through this for self-care? Um, I think some of the basic things, don't drink caffeine, don't drink alcohol drink water. Uh, don't drink any, uh, don't take any nicotine products. That's not helpful for you to get your sleep. You need your sleep. When it's downtime, it's downtime. Don't you chat with everybody else because when you show up for duty, you're expected to be on duty. Um, bring a good book, bring an e-reader, um, stay engaged, uh, do some exercises, push-ups, squats, things like that to get the blood flowing, things like that. Um, talk to people. 
when you're not on on duty, communicate, communicate with one another. Don't necessarily do everything by text. Pick up the phone, call them. If you can't walk over there and talk to them, if you can do those kind of things, um, make sure that you try to do and try to keep your life as normal as possible throughout the day because you are working in a very abnormal environment. If you can stay calm as a physician, you're automatically a leader. And if you could stay calm, that'll calm everybody else down. Once you start getting uh, agitated, anxiety, that's just going to bleed down to everybody else. And your team is going to be very ineffective after that. So those were the things I would, I would recommend. Uh, so my next last question is, um, you know, what message do you have to people who are saying that, you know, they have you in your thoughts and prayers and they're sending you good thoughts uh, tomorrow. I'm going to be leaving uh, for San Antonio to see our friends at the AFP Congress of delegates and family medicine experience. What, what message do you have uh, for them? I'd like to tell the folks, thank you for sending your thoughts and prayers. I know people have reached out and said, is there anything I can do? No, there's really nothing you can do other than thoughts and prayers, but your thoughts and prayers really matter to every single one of us here. Keep, keep connected, keep talking and keep please sharing the experiences um, so that when the next disaster happens, those people can use those experiences that we have. That's the only thing that we can do is work with each other, be kind to each other and help each other uh, move forward together. Uh, and my last question for you, my friend, is, um, you know, any closing thoughts you have that, that you wanted to share with our audience, especially kind of reiterate, you know, why you feel that, that family physicians and family medicine are perfectly positioned to uh, respond to uh, needs and disasters like this? Absolutely. Family medicine manages patients from birth, from pre-birth to past death when you're dealing with their families. No other specialty does that. No other specialty has a comprehensive knowledge to do all those kind of things. So when you're placed into a situation where literally life is, lives are at risk, family physicians, regardless of the patient's age, can manage from way before birth to all the way through past death with the family members as well, too. And I think having that breadth scope of practice and, and um knowledge is significant when you work in such um, highly abnormal situations because as you have trained, you've trained on the inpatient, you've trained on the outpatient, you've probably done some urgent care, you've probably done some ER. Nobody else can say that. Nobody else can do that. So you know what can happen on the inpatient. You know what can happen on the outpatient. You know what can happen on the surgical side. You know what can happen on the GYN side. You know what can happen on the psych side. You have such an amazing toolbox of skills and knowledge that nobody has. And on top of that, you're a leader. So people look at you uh, when those specialties aren't around. And even when they are around, they look at you nonetheless, and they ask you questions because they know how comprehensive of care that you provide to the community. And um, I would say that you keep doing those things as much as you possibly can. Keep getting engaged, get yourself involved in the community because the community absolutely needs family physicians. They absolutely need family physicians, not only during good times, but even more in the worst of times. 
thank you so much, my friend. Uh, we've been talking with Dr. Joy Kumar, who's our good friend, family physician, champion, the man. Uh, he is uh, holed up in a uh, hospital working uh, in Tampa, Florida. And I really appreciate you, uh, not only for the time, but also keeping us updated on, on Facebook, uh, just to let us know what, not only how you are, uh, but how the community is doing there. Uh, thank you so much for the time. Uh, Absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity really. And it's, if, uh, if you want to get any further information, please feel free to reach out to me through Facebook. I'd be happy to send you again, you know, um, learn from the things that we've gone through, learn from the mistakes that we made, so that when you go through it, and at some point in time, you will go through it in your life, um, that you will be ahead of the curve. Uh, and yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll definitely be uh, keeping in touch. I know all of our friends uh, at the AFP meeting coming up will also be uh, keeping in touch with you as well. And uh, we may even have you back on depending on uh, how busy you are and uh, how, uh, how we're able to do that. So. Uh, so thank you so much. So just hang on. We'll, we'll, we'll clear from uh, Facebook here. So for everybody else on Facebook, we'll be updating you. I'll be going to San Antonio tomorrow. So we'll be updating everybody uh, very soon. So thanks everybody for the time. Thank you.